Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here? Whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is a Renaissance technology product visionary and fellow Canadian. As the VP of Adobe's content and commerce product, she and her team work to enable Adobe's customers to deliver unique experiences to their own audience. She holds a master's in management science and engineering from Stanford University and a bachelor in arts and science from McMaster University. An enthusiastic creator and consumer of art, in her off hours, she's the co-founder of Stark Insider and shares a fabulous insights on what happens at the intersection of creativity, technology, culture, food, and wine. Part of my heart, food and wine. So hey, Lottie, thank you so much for agreeing to be on Uncharted Journeys. It's been a while since we've connected. How are you? I'm doing great, as great as one can be, given everything that's been happening. And Kathy, I would never pass up a chance to see you and talk to you. Well, I'm so happy. Um, you know, you truly, as I was preparing for our conversation and thinking back to when we first met, I couldn't remember exactly when it was, but certainly early days at Gilbane um, and having breakfast meetings and, you know, talking about Adobe and product and who's doing what and uh, and finding out about your artistic side, your painting and your wine knowledge. Um, I honestly wanted to grow up and be you. Um, so <laughs> how has that been? How, how have you been? Are you been keeping up with that, all of your artistic stuff and whatnot during the, the last couple of years? More time for it? Because I know you're super busy with work. It's sort of interesting. I think um, we've all been adjusting because of, you know, COVID and what we've been doing. So in the first two years, I painted um, like a dervish for the first two years because as my home office um, for Adobe and my painting studio, everything else converged into what used to be my dining room in the heart of my home, uh, I found that um, without the commute times and everything else, it just all kind of worked together. And uh, that was a really incredibly productive time, both for uh, my work uh, at Adobe as well as my artwork. Um, what's been interesting in the last year, though, is uh, in my art practice, I've been more realizing, I've been focused on figurative paintings. And yet what I'm interested in is not the physical aesthetics of people, but more their character, which is sort of interesting because painting is visual. And it's like, Lonnie, why are you using that medium to express things that are more sort of psychological? So I've been actually studying psychology. So that's why my output around actually painting has gone down a little because I've been studying psychology for a little because I think that that will give me some depth on that front. And then at Adobe, I think my world has expanded as well because you and I've talked about how like the last 12 years, I've had a product for Adobe Experience Manager, which is all about the content portfolio of Experience Cloud. And last year I got um, also Adobe Commerce. So like that's been really exciting, the whole content supply chain all the way to you know, experiences and shopping. And given as a consumer, I'm like doing a lot more online shopping as well. It's <laughs> interesting. You know, it's all very meta. So that's how I've been doing. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's so, I find it so interesting because at, at our, our stages in our lives, when we're able to 
blend the stuff that we love and the thinking. So the psychology that you're talking about and the visualization of, of character, which I think is amazing. I would love to see some of your paintings um, from a more figurative perspective. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's great. And, you know, so as we segue into the, you know, I, I always ask my guests a, a few questions at the top. I'm curious to hear is, what was your first career that you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Did it combine that, you know, the engineering, very quantitative aspect of your job and what you do now and what you studied to the artistic flair that clearly drives you? You know, it, it's funny because I would say, if you asked me what my, my five-year-old self, I would tell you and you're going to laugh, I wanted to be a ballerina. Okay, like, you know, very typical. I even had, a like, I remember drawing a picture of, pink, you know, tutus and stuff like that, um, which is so not me today. Um, and then I spent a big part of my high school really liking art. I even um, still remember when I clogged the sink on almost caused for, um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of a plumbing job, which thankfully we averted uh, because I absolutely uh, accidentally got plaster Paris into the tube, uh, you know, of the sink because, you know, whatever. But I, I, I really enjoy the arts. But I think that um, as I was, uh, as adulthood approached me when I was younger, I think um, I kind of gave away the idea that I was going to be a fine artist or you know, sculpturist or whatever. And I found that my, the problem solving, the creativity that comes from uh, computer science and engineering would be a, you know, a place where I could express creativity, but an area where society would maybe, um, you know, give me more sort of commercial rewards uh, for doing that part of it. So this idea of valuing everything you do in your life, but also being very pragmatic about um, what parts of your exercises or activities would confer a, a living, which for me, coming from immigrant parents, was a uh, you know, major stress factor when I was young. Yeah. So I'm going to take, I could probably, I'm going to take a guess at, I won't actually say it, but so from an influence, big influences in your life, who would they be? One um, is my mother, which I know people say it's clear cliche, but my mother, I was actually just talking to someone over dinner as a CIO over dinner about um, um, sort of women in STEM. And uh, I was thinking back and I realized that my mom was very influential. She uh, grew up and she had a math degree and she ended up being a uh, machine operator making parts for airplanes. So very specialized parts. And she was actually one of the first women in her company. And I know when we were talking before and you're like, now you're going there, right? But she was, she was like the first woman in her company and they had to actually uh, like put in a bathroom just for her because they didn't even have a bathroom for, for women. And um, I was thinking about that influence. But the main thing wasn't um, actually uh, her gender. It was the fact that when I was growing up, I just saw her as super capable and she would always tell me that I had all of the foundational sort of qualities that anyone else had. And therefore, anything that anyone else could do, I could do as well. I just need to apply myself. And that kind of belief in, in no boundaries in your brain of what you possibly could be 
and watching her work as hard as she did in what she did um, were two things that really influenced how I approach my life, my work at Adobe and my art. You know, being able to like take a piece of clay, like basically dirt, and be able to mold it into whatever you want and to think about that analogy in every part of your life of what can you take from like the raw materials and be able to transform it into something that is very different. Yeah, that's and I mean, clearly you've done that. And I I love the way you've articulated, you know, the fact that you have that artistic drive, but saw a way of applying that on a more... I'm reticent to use the word pragmatic, but a more um, application-based thing in problem solving. That's, I mean, that's one of the things that I, you know, I don't think of myself as an entirely or a a very creative person. I love photography and I started to dabble in watercolors like everybody else (laughs) during COVID. Um, But problem solving is a creative outlet because you do have to think about it from a bunch of different ways. So in thinking about all that that you said, what song epitomizes your career path? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not a big song person. I, if, you know, I have a guilty probably, well, I, I guess I can confess. Um, I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. I, it's, it's uh, I, 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 her songs are very listenable, like listenable, that's not worth, but you know, very easy to on the ear. And, um, I also think she's a consummate marketer, businesswoman, Definitely. You know, all of that. Um, but one of the things that really inspired me as well, it was um, Under Armour had a campaign with Michael Phelps and they have this YouTube video where I don't know what that song is, but it just kind of, uh, you know, it's not a very a song that can you can sing to, but it's about him training for the Olympics. And the tagline was, it's what you do in the dark that brings you into the light. And at least I don't know if that, if that epitomizes my life, but it epitomizes or my career journey, but it epitomizes what sort of motivates me. So sometimes we're early in the morning when the sun hasn't come out yet. And I'm like, have to deal with certain things. I secretly watch that video because I find it just so inspiring and it fires me up that or ride on the Peloton with Barb and Arzon. <laughs> ah, yes. Peloton. I didn't. Okay. We need to connect on the Peloton now. <laughs> I love that. I'm in the middle of a challenge right now. So (laughs) power zone challenge. It's kicking my my butt. I got to tell you. All right. And street name. If if your career was a street name, what would it be? Perseverance. Ah, I love that. All right. Any any particular place it would be? It it would be a place with a lot of um, dead ends. That you'd have to turn and and go in a different direction. So some European city where it's not a good system, not a great system. I I have an I consider myself to have an incredible sense of direction, but I tell you, Venice. Yeah. The first day I was there, I hit more dead ends, and then of course the water rises, and what wasn't a dead end is now because you can't pass it because the water's there. It, it was hilarious. Anyways, that I like that. I love the the you know the incorporating the dead ends and you know having to turn around and find a different way. That's uh, that is amazing, and I I would guess that in your twenty two plus years with Adobe, 
um, you've had a few of those where you've had to carve out and either break through the dead end and create a path or turn around and, and find a new street to follow. So that's, um, that's amazing. So what, I mean, 22 years at Adobe, uh, 22 years at any company is an accomplishment. So kudos to you. What's your journey been like? What's it look like? How is it, you know, how is it manifested to, to land you where you are today, which is truly, as you mentioned, you know, having an, an Adobe such a, a big name um, in our industry that the fact that you are leading a team that is anchored in content and commerce, which is, you know, that is the epicenter of what we do from an experience perspective. I mean, that is that is where companies are headed and trying to to find that sweet spot. So tell me how you got there. You know, first of all, I didn't join Adobe, um, you know, as a member of technical staff and said, I am going to spend the next 22 plus years here and I'm going to chart this path. So I think very, very suitable to this conversation we're having is there wasn't really a, a map. I think um, there were different uh, maybe chapters to um, to the 22 years. Uh, I started in engineering and what really got me into product management was recognizing that in order for a product to be successful, it just wasn't the code that was part of it, obviously, but it was everything else around it that, um, you know, from the partner ecosystem to uh, the value to like awareness and, and just timing and, and everything else around it. So that really got me into sort of product management because I realized that that was important to understand. Um, and then I had the opportunity to really get to know the more macro markets moving into product marketing. Um, and in each of these steps, I think what was really important was um, really thinking about what type of person, what type of leader, what type of um, skill sets you need to have and always be learning those skill sets, always being able to uh, think about pushing the boundaries of who you are as a person. And I think, you know, tying it back to like when you, when you think about being an artist, um, your artwork is a manifestation of your skill sets and your worldview and um, your perspective on things. And as you develop as an artist, you become more skilled and you become more able to, to execute against that vision and that idea. And I think it's similar in my career at Adobe is that as I build up skills and things like that, I'm able to see where, you know, the product needs to go, right? Because with content commerce, um, part of it is um, to be an industry leader, you have to actually visualize what may not be there that your customers may need. And then the second is being able to then have the skill sets to one, when I was earlier in my career, be able to do it myself. And then later in my career, to be able to find ways to uh, inspire, uh, to motivate, and to be worthy of people wanting to follow or to be part of the journey together. And what I've learned there is that you learn just as much about yourself. And just when you think you got it, you find that there's more to learn. I've heard that that's similar to parenting. 
that your first child and how that one turned out isn't necessarily how the second one and third one and finding that humility and finding that way of um, just um, realizing you're not perfect and taking that feedback and being able to work through it and just get better is what makes, I think, you stronger. And that then translates into everything else, your ability to lead people, your ability to build great products, your ability to make you know, customers that trust you more successful. Your analogy of having kids, I have a 21 and an 18-year-old girl and a boy, and they are not the same, and you learn new things every day. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, 20, I'm 22 years or so into this journey, and yes, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a new door to open every single day. Sometimes you want to close the door, but you know what? You, got, you don't have a choice. Sometimes you got to go through the door. So, you know, when you talk about your, your path and some of the things you've done and, and I like, you know, the whole sort of not growing up, I don't mean from a maturity standpoint, I guess to a certain extent it is though, where you went from an individual contributor to a team leader and probably back and forth a little bit along your journey. And you talk about learning things and making you stronger and better at what you do. So I'm curious from a perspective of, you know, you really are a product-focused individual. You talk about problem solving and being able to envision what your customers need before they maybe even know. Was there something earlier on in your career where you went, yes, product is where I want to be? Whether it was an opportunity for problem solving, whether it was just the opportunity to be exposed to that part of thing. But, you know, making a career path in product is a that's a decision. Was there something that, that spurred you on to that decision? I, I don't know if it was so much a decision as, um, as so, so embedded in who I am and what I value and what motivates me. So um, I think that what motivates me is being able to build something, being able to create something of value. And that is one of the threads across both my personal and my professional life is that, and this idea of being able to overcome challenges in order to um, to successfully bring that creation to to life, and somehow in that struggle, I find it even the the product of that even more valuable than if it was uh, effortless, and so from that perspective, I think it wasn't necessarily a decision to be in product so much as it is something I need to do. And that is the core of my motivation. And um, I will market it. I will help. um, I was, you know, sweep the floors. I will help do whatever it is, as long as it's grounded and rooted in this purpose of building something that uh, helps, you know, other brands at Adobe in, a, in the Adobe context to be able to build great digital experiences, to be able to, you know, build great commerce experiences, and then in my own personal life to be able to uh, build something that um, allows me to sort of express myself, but also has some impact on people that take a look at it. And it needs to be both emotional and intellectual. 
I like that. Um, so from when you talk about intellectual and the emotional side of things, because often we don't, we don't think about the emotional side when we do work. Um, but that's really what drives us, right? That's what's getting us out of bed every morning and, and getting us jazzed about, in your case, going into the office today, which, you know, not everybody's doing yet. Um, so, you know, in, in your current role, what is it that makes you want to get up in the morning that gets you either to your office or, you know, to your dining room um, and really move you forward? You know, the challenges, the compromises, I think a few things, and you're right. Like, I, I, well, I don't know if you're right. I think you're right. Uh, which is, well, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> which, is, which is that I, I feel the same way, which is um, the things that I think we do um, at a, if it was just intellectual, you know, a lot of the things, if you like the amount of time I spend working, the amount of time I spend figuring things out, it's not just, it's not reasonable in many ways. It's emotional because it's a passion. It has to be in order for it to be something that um, I do. And what gets me motivated, I think, is a couple of things. One is I want to know what my team and I have the potential of achieving. And you don't know what that is unless you push yourself both mentally and emotionally to that limit. And I'm, I'm curious um, just like some people are curious to discover the corners and the nooks and crannies of a forest, I'm curious about how far as a team, as an individual, I can push my, like the boundaries of my brain, as well as the sort of influence on everything else to make an impact. And that is something I'm interested in exploring. I think the second part of it is, I'll say, I'm competitive as well. So there is an element of wanting to win. And I, you know, don't shy away. I think that that um, competition is in some ways what the free market is built on as well. So I love um, competition in a way where everybody's striving for better. And it gives you also a view into what could be your potential. And I think the third thing that's really um, motivating and something I do miss um, when we're virtual, I feel like it's not as much there, uh, is the excitement or the ability to also um, help others achieve more than they think they could have achieved. And that is... Uh, for me, what what motivates me, uh, one story since you mentioned the Peloton is when I first got my Peloton, uh, I had a certain, um, a certain um, power zone score or whatever, PR score, right? And I was like wiped. I was huffing, puffing. And I was like, because <laughs> I really hadn't cycled before I got the Peloton and somehow I got the Peloton. And I knew I was like, good, smart. But I've been on, I've been consistent now for probably like almost over two years now. And then I did another PR test uh, a year later, and my output was much higher, but I actually felt like I exerted less effort. And that made me think about um, if you push yourself in life to do certain things and get to the places where you're uncomfortable, does that strengthen your ability for increased output 
in your life as well and increased ability to have impact. And for me, that was a really um, that an observation I made about that delta that I then took that pattern and thought about other parts of my life and what it like potential wasn't something that was limited to a certain time that the further you push the edges of your potential, the greater your potential could be. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's funny. um, I can relate to the whole competitive thing, which is one of the reasons why um, I've never, I did a lot of biking in high school and I think I just, I had too much of it. So, you know, you bike with your kids and that was sort of all that I did. And then I got the Peloton actually for my husband um, and he used it for a while and then he wasn't using it. I'm like, well, we have this bike, like can't just sit there. So I got on it, not thinking I was going to like it. Oh my gosh. Like I am, I am that person now that when I travel, I am checking with the hotel to see if they have a Peloton in their gym. You know, I haven't done the Peloton in the gym, but what I do is I now pack. So one of the changes we were talking about travel habits just yes. you yep. know, for this conversation is one of the things I do pack is um, a, a kind of really thin travel uh, uh, yoga mat mm-hmm. and um, some sort of exercise gloves. And I do do the body weight strength uh, classes while I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. And all you need is a like a little space in the hotel room, yep. right, to put that on. So I do do, do that. Um, and I, I think it's a way of keeping those darn badges going so those things work. <laughs> you know what? That's I hadn't thought about taking, taking a small yoga mat. I have been known and not caught yet to go into the gym at maybe not peak hours and perhaps borrow a mat into the hotel room and then return it. <laughs> before I leave. <laughs> so. I'm sure that is very endorsed. I think that that's well, a perfectly fine way of, of uh, working out while you're traveling. Yes. Yeah, my little way of, you know, I like to be a little bit of a rule breaker. So I feel, you know, a little bad that way. Um, all right, this has been amazing. But I got to ask, so, you know, we talked about your five-year-old self wanting to be a ballerina and then, you know, getting into the art and then realizing, you know, you really love the engineering side of the world. If you weren't a product professional, in the technology space, what would you be? Actually, I think that I would want to be a cross between um, an oil painter, which is you're like, it's my hobby. And it's, you know, in some ways birthing alternative selves because um, it takes a while to get good at being an oil painter. Uh, and the other thing is something to do with um, the whole psychology of self and human potential. Nice. You know, you mentioned that you were uh, doing some courses in in psychology. So for our listeners, um, and particularly for the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on, you know, life, career, success, happiness, anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I think the most powerful thing for me, and it is a journey, first of all. So it's not like you come out of birth and you're already there. And it's not, although I love the Athena myth coming out of Zeus's head fully ready and armed to you know fight, uh, is being able to uh, quiet the rest of the voices out there and be able to get really grounded on um, who you are, what you value, uh, what motivates you, and what is your narrative? 
because I think for, um, for especially for women, there are a lot of voices out there telling you who you should be or telling you who you shouldn't be. Or even if you go counter to what people are telling you should be, that in itself is not your narrative. You're, it's a reaction to someone else's narrative. And to be able to really ground yourself on that and be able to always return to that when life or changes knock you off of that grounding is really important. And um, I've found that as I've grown <laughs> and grown up or continue to grow up, that has been a really perpetual source of power. Nice. I like that. Perpetual source of power. Okay. This has been amazing. I am so glad we got a chance to connect. I'm hoping to see you sometime, maybe Adobe Max, maybe before then. <laughs> um, so in closing, you know, I've talked about your artistic outlets and all the things that you're doing. Where can our audience find you? Where can my eyes find me? Um, so Twitter, LinkedIn, you know. It's, you know, so for my art, uh, it's Instagram, as long as start. Okay. For probably Adobe things, when I do kind of tweet on stuff, it would be on Twitter at Lonnie Stark. So it's the same. It's just different facets. Right. And then obviously I have um, Stark Insider and Atelier Stark and Adobe.com. So um, just Google. Google. And- Google Lonnie Stark. You are the one and only. Yeah. You may be surprised <laughs> at what you find. And uh, I take all responsibility for all those different uh, facets of, of who I am. All right. Well, we didn't get a chance to touch on uh, three days in Iceland, which I will uh, direct my audience to go and check out um, one of Lonnie's uh, many films. And um, yes, definitely go check it out. But thank you again, Lonnie. Um, you've been as engaging and, and cheery as always. And I can't wait to see you on the Peloton. And to my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Lonnie and hearing about her journey to be um, all that she is. There's so many things, I can't even list them. Um, So if you're keen to hear more stories from other amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Stephanie Stahl, who is the GM at CMI, an amazing team leader and event wrangler. And as always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources, um, all of which at Lonnie's I will list, um, and some show notes. So thanks again for listening and see you next time. And until then, enjoy your journey. the past is behind